0: Yo, 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 what's going on everybody? Welcome back to another podcast here on Aloha Android and I am your host Tito and today is February 12th, 2020 and so there's been a big gap since the last episode. I know this, um, there's usually in the beginning of the year, there's not a lot of tech news to really talk about uh it's a little bit in a dry spell and now we're kind of getting into that point where you know we got some news to talk about and so yesterday was samsung's unpacked event in san francisco california and uh, there's a topic that regards not only just the samsung galaxy s20s that are coming out but this has to do with some other oems pumping out devices that are 5g capable. When, in fact, 5G is not even prime time. So I do want to talk about that in today's episode and kind of just rant and give my perspective on it. Because this is absolute craziness. This is craziness beyond anything, okay? Um, Right now, we are making it acceptable for devices to be over $1,000. And one of the reasons why these devices are over $1,000 is because they are, in fact, 5G capable. Now, we know that Verizon and AT&T are off the races to trying to get their 5G network built out. Uh, They are using different um, styles for 5G. I believe Verizon is using a high band for uh, 5G. And um, currently right now, regarding the merger between uh, T-Mobile and Sprint, uh, T-Mobile looks... To build out 5G using both low band and mid band. So, we are talking about band 71, which is a 600 megahertz signal for T Mobile, and then band 41, which is the 2.5 gigahertz signal that Sprint currently has. And with those two, T Mobile hopes to roll out 5G to be able to cover rural areas and deliver the fastest speeds as possible now Verizon does currently top with its speeds for 5g the problem with Verizon's 5g though is that you can literally be standing 10 feet from a Verizon 5g node and your phone connecting to 5g from that node the moment that you just do a 180 turnaround not even taking a step but just a 180 turnaround signal lost same with uh t-mobile's current 5g right now you have to be in direct line of sight for their node um the moment you even move your phone and that 1000 megabit per second download speed easily drops to like three 400 megabits per second or less so it is safe to say with all these carriers that 5g is not prime time 5g is not 100% capable just yet. We are just stepping into 5G and these carriers are just getting their networks for 5G connection rolling out to cities all across the United States, okay? It is not on the level that LTE is currently right now. And it's not gonna be but for another five years before 5G is completely at where LTE is at, you know, today. So, why are companies hell bent on putting out 5G capable devices if 5G is not prime time yet? And why is it costing a thousand dollars for a flagship smartphone today? Today. Now, some people may disagree, some people may try to rebut me and give me a million to one reasons why it's the best time to invest in a 5G smartphone and why it's okay to spend for a base model phone, $1,199 for a mid-step-up flagship, and $1,399 for a top-tier flagship. Someone is definitely going to do that because today we have a lot of D-Riders, okay? Try to keep this clean, but we have a lot of D-Riders. We have a lot of people who feel like that they can just... Say everything under the sun and it makes it correct. But I'm I'm a person that likes to think logically, okay? And while, yes, I do want technology to advance, I do want 5G to become better and more dependable and rolled out, not just in major cities, but in rural areas, I do want that. Honestly, I do. I absolutely do. But I am not going to entertain the fact that because of it, this is why we we, we got to have 5g devices now. you know this is why that I don't pitch that that you should go and drain your wallets of almost fifteen hundred dollars for a phone, for gimmicky features and 5g connectivity. I mean you're gonna pay close to fifteen hundred dollars for a 5G capable device that you're not gonna have 5G connection 100% of the time that you have the device. Sure, you may get it in your downtown areas that have these nodes set up on buildings and street lights and things like that to allow you to have that connection, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna maintain a constant connection like you can have a constant connection with LTE nowadays. And even then, LTE is not always a foolproof connection. Depending on the carrier that you're with and the city that you're in, you're likely to have an LTE connection maybe 90% of the time. There are those, there is that 10% where you'll notice that either you've dropped to HSPA+, or you've dropped to 3G, or you basically have no connection. It's happened. Don't lie, people. It has happened. You've experienced it once or twice. You may not fully remember, but it's happened to you. Because it's happened to me and it's happened to everybody else out there. And that's just LTE, okay? Not that long ago, I actually had the pleasure of hanging out with Carlos Sanchez. You know, really nice guy. Uh, currently lives up in Vegas and started a YouTube channel and is doing a lot of speed tests. He grabs some of the major flagship devices from each of the four carriers. And then he just drives around and does these speed tests and records these speed tests being done from those devices showing you what kinds of speeds to expect in Las Vegas. I want to stress that because people tend to forget he lives in Las Vegas and he does understand that the connection that he has in Las Vegas is not going to be the same in the city or town that you live in. He understands that. But he wants you to see, he wants you to see what he's experiencing, what's happening. You know, because we have we have a stake and what's going on in the mobile tech industry. And nowadays, to my surprise, I'm very pleased to see that the average people who go on YouTube to watch content creators about mobile technology are starting to actually pay attention to those creators who intend to share their knowledge about network connections, 5G, nodes, and those types of things, right? Like people are like absorbing this. They're absorbing this, which is a very, very good thing. Very good thing. People need to know. They need to know because one of the things that gets them in major trouble with the carriers that they sign up with is that they listen to the store rep who don't know jack about the network that they are selling. Because all the store reps know how to do is sell you the hardware, sell you the product, sell you the service packages. But they couldn't tell you what devices um, what bands each device has. Like, they couldn't name you all all the, the LTE bands that a Pixel 4 has connection to. They can't tell you all the LTE bands that the Samsung um, Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G can connect to, right? They can't tell you that. You go into a store and you ask somebody, you ask a store rep, ask all the store reps in there, right? Separate them. Don't let them group together, right? Because there might be one person who knows. There might be one geek amongst the five other employees in that shop that actually pays attention to this stuff, but the other ones don't. And then ask them without looking at the brochure, without looking at the pamphlet. "Uh, Can you tell me what LTE bands that this device can connect to? They can't. They can't because they're not trained to do that. They're not trained to do that because AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, they don't care if your device has all the latest LTE band connections or if they don't. They need to move inventory. They need to move product. They need to move back stock. If they have a bunch of stock of the Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G, guess what they're going to do specials on and guess what they're going to pitch to you when you walk into their store. They're going to pitch to you. They're going to pitch to you to get the Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G. They're going to tell you about all the bells and whistles that it has. It's got a large display and a small body form factor. You want to be able to get a nice, uh, you know, thing going on with, you know, drawing on your PDF files for your businesses and things like that? It comes with a built-in stylus. You got this click button where you can just click the button when you're away from the phone to to start a video recording session. And you have these gestures with the S-pen. Okay, I get it. Gimmicky features. But... What LTE bands does it connect to? And you know what? Like, we know that the Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G has the latest connections, right? It can connect to Band 71. It can, it can connect to all these different bands, Band 66 and all that. It can connect to them. It's going to have the latest, right? Because it's the latest, newest ones. See, people tend to not understand. Um, like, don't buy an older device. Like, say, like, you know, somebody who, like, is myself, who is, like, who likes Google Pixel devices, Right? And they buy a Pixel 1, they put their T-Mobile SIM card in it or their AT&T SIM card. And they're wondering why they're not getting the same fast speeds as their friend who's on the same carrier with them who bought the Pixel 4 and is getting faster data speeds than they are. And that is because the Pixel 1 does not have connection to the latest LTE bands. It just doesn't. You can't, there's, there's no software upgrade that can just make the modem be able to connect to that signal. It just doesn't happen, right? It has to do with the radios. It has to do with the modem. And that's hardware. That's not software. So you can't patch a phone and make it connect to, you know, all the latest, newest um, LTE bands that there is currently out there. Otherwise, older devices would just run as fast as newer ones. There wouldn't be a need to have, you know, a updated series of processing chips, modems, and radios. Okay? So... Why is it? Because we know that 5G is not prime. Why are companies interested in selling you a 5G-capable device? See... In the the world of YouTube right now, things have left from just making straight up videos to now doing live streams. Live streams seems to be the normalcies, right? And you know what? There is a good amount of information that you can get from live streams because there are people that are coming out of the shadows who would not necessarily make a YouTube channel and make a video, but they'll go into someone's live stream and share the knowledge that they have. And sometimes people do see things differently. People have their perspective on things. Here's something that you got to kind of think about. So 5G is not prime time right now, and it's not going to be prime time in the next month, right? These carriers, they've been talking about 5G for years. We are now starting to see some action about 5G, but it doesn't mean that 5G is prime time rolled out from the West Coast to the East Coast, from the North to the South border. No. Okay. It is in cities, and it's very spotty. I know this. Done 5G testing with Carlos. That we we tested out all kinds of things like like he connected uh, his Verizon device to a five G node from Verizon and was getting like a thousand you know forty two megabits per second download speeds that means a thousand and forty two megabyte files could download in a second that's almost a gig one gigabyte is one thousand twenty four um, megabytes equals one gig one gigabyte. So it's nearly one gigabit per second speed. However, the moment that I stood in front of him while he ran under the speed test from the same phone, from the exact same point he was standing, just my body standing in front of that phone, instantly cut down the connection all the way down to 400 megabits per second and struggling. So we know that 5G is not capable. Verizon's 5G, which is dependent on high band, is a shorter range of connection. So, in order for Verizon to have, like, the best coverage downtown Phoenix area would literally mean that every light post would have to have a 5G node attached to it in order for a 5G-capable device on Verizon to maintain a constant connection, all right? High band has short distance, right? So, you would actually need, like, high band mixed with mid band mixed with low band to basically not only provide, you know, fast speeds but a broader connection, right? What T-Mobile is trying to do, even though T-Mobile has dropped the ball in releasing 5G, their 5G is actually struggling worse. As a matter of fact, there's been tests done with their 5G currently available right now, and um, their 5G is much slower than their LTE. That's kind of sad. But we know that, you know, T-Mobile can fix it and make it better. We know this. We know it can happen. We know that eventually that'll happen. Um, there's people who are just, you know, they're very upset at this point right now. Um, just for the simple fact is, is that, you know, when you have the CEO of a company like John Ledger rolling around and antagonizing his rivals, AT&T and Verizon, which he likes to call dumb and dumber... But you go ahead and you do almost a similar thing that they've done. That's really what people, you know, just on a side note, that's really what people are upset about. They're not so much upset that the network is not producing what they claim it should be doing in certain areas. Because certain areas, T-Mobile's 5G is doing just fine. Certain areas, it's not. Uh, but people don't like the fact when you go and you antagonize and criticize a company for doing something, say like AT&T, who had everyone fooled with 5G-E. If you have an AT&T device and it tells you hey you have connection to 5G-E, all that really is is LTE Advanced. It's not true 5G, okay? And so they criticize AT&T for that, but then T-Mobile puts out 5G that's not necessarily 5 G. They're guilty and all the same. Crazy as it is. But before we continue on, a word from the sponsor. All right, we are back. So second half of this broadcast and the point that I'm trying to make. The reason why I'm explaining 5G and how it's not ready for Prime is that I find it funny that companies like Samsung, companies like OnePlus are pitching 5G devices and telling you, in all of what they're doing that it is now time to buy a 5G-capable device. Look, people, heed my words. It is not the time to buy 5G-capable devices, okay? It is just not because you're not going to get what you're expecting. See, I'm looking at this from a consumer standpoint, not a tech geek like myself or my colleagues and friends. But a consumer standpoint, and if a consumer is saying, you know, being told that by this device it has connection to 5G, they're expecting when they hear the rep tell them you're going to get faster data transfer speeds, you're going to be able to download a movie in seconds, they're going to expect that 100% of the time. They're not going to know, yeah... You could download a movie in seconds if you maintain the constant connection to that 5G node that your device just so happens to pick up on in a certain specific spot you're standing. But the moment that you move, you're going to instantly be dropped down to LTE. That's not what consumers are expecting. So here you have it. You have Companies like Samsung doing their keynote, talking about the phone has, is 5G capable and it can download this much really quick and you're going to get this experience by buying their device for $1,000 okay? Even if the price tag says $999, we live in the country and in a world where general goods have taxation on top of it, so $999 plus tax, you're looking at over $1,000 depending on the tax percentage rate in your state. So you're gonna spend over $1,000 on a phone expecting to have this blazing fast speed, this blazing you know, technology. And then you're gonna be dissatisfied the moment that you see your phone bouncing back and forth from 5G to LTE like it has Tourette's, okay? Like it has a really bad case of split personality. You're, that that's what you're going to experience, and it's going to be a crappy experience. It's going to be an experience where you're going to look and you're going to say, "I want my money back. Take this phone back." right? And we all know how these carriers work with their fourteen day satisfaction guarantee, right? They want to make sure they lock you in you know especially if you're going to lease that phone or you're going to make payments on that phone through installment billing. They don't want to lock you into it. <laughs> I mean, yes. Uh, Carriers have done away with contracts over time, but there's contracts over devices. And most people who spend over or is going to spend over $1,000 on a phone after, you know, some time when they get tired of that carrier, they want to jump ship to another carrier. They want to take their phone with them. If it's capable to move to that other carrier they're going to, like if they're going from T-Mobile to AT&T, which, you know, has compatible networks and shares almost similar LTE bands, then their device on T-Mobile would be would in fact be able to connect to um, AT&T's network and have decent coverage because it supports the same LTE bands. But you can't take your phone if it's locked. I mean locked where like if you put another SIM card in it, it's not going to recognize it. You have to get the phone unlocked in order for it to register and connect to a different carrier SIM card. And that's where they lock you in. That's where you get... You get get pounded in the backside, right? Um, And they don't even give you a sign to say, Hey, we're coming in and just rear-end you so get your Vaseline ready. No, 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 no. They don't even do that, right? They just go for it, relentless. Because they don't care. Carriers... Don't care about you. And the OEMs who build the smartphones, they don't care about you either. All you are is a dollar sign. That's it. What can they milk you for? They will sell you everything under the sun to get you to spend your hard-earned money on their products. My phone can unlock without a touch of a button. It's going to look at you and recognize your face. Boom, it's unlocked. It'll, it'll, It'll use your same... Um, unlocking mechanism, which is your face, to determine to open up your bank application, to authorize a you know a a uh, tap to pay service. Oh, our phone uses a stylus, and you can push the button with a gesture, and it will start a recording. So if you're a video vlogger, you can really literally start recording from your phone from a distance without needing to push the record button on the viewfinder on the screen. Um, what else is there? Oh, it can swim in three meters of water. It can withstand a dust storm because it is IP68 dust and water resistant. You know, oh, our phone can basically read what your hand is doing. If you wave your hand over the screen, it will know to turn the page on something you're looking at. You know, gesture controls and, and, um more smart AI technology and they, and they, they, they feed you all these features to justify why they're telling you, by the way, the phone cost over a thousand dollars, but that's okay. You, you, you didn't need to, to um, put that as a down payment on the decently used vehicle to buy, just buy our smartphone, which will become obsolete because other than Google devices, Other OEMs hardly update with the latest software version. Like today, it is more lucrative for them to sell you new hardware with the latest software than it is for them to update past hardware with the latest software. You look at Samsung, you look at LG, you look at, you know, all all these other companies that build devices that use Android. And you'll notice that when the latest version of Android comes out, those devices get it seven months after that operating system came out you know six or seven months, eight months if lucky and then if they get it, then the next version of Android that comes out, they will not get it. This is the reason why that I absolutely choose pixel devices because I know I will get a good amount of OS updates and three years worth of security patches before my device becomes irrelevant, but by then, since I have the pixel three. By then, my phone will become obsolete by the time that the, um, the Pixel 6 comes out or the Pixel 7 because the Pixel 1 was only supposed to, have, was only supposed to go up to Android 9 and it ended up getting Android 10. They got, it got an additional year of support and was only recently the support was cut off this December for the Pixel 1. The original Pixel no longer got support this, uh, after this December. So, interesting enough, maybe, maybe, we, maybe, maybe, maybe the Pixel 3 will be good even when the Pixel 7 comes out. Who knows? Point is, is that I know that technically I don't have to get the Pixel 4. I don't have to get the Pixel 5 or the 6. I don't have to because my Pixel 3 will still be supported. Sure, it will be a little bit obsolete because it's going to have an older processing chip. It only has 4 gigs of RAM. You know, it has a standalone um, was it, uh, it as a standalone chip for processing photos, which I think is pretty cool. Unlike other devices that do all image processing from the same processor chip, my Pixel Three has a dedicated chip to process images on all, all on its own, standalone, not not dependent on the main core chip. But you know, I'm not sold on on a lot of things that that go on out there. So again, rolling back because I know we kind of went left field there. But rolling back, rolling back. All these devices coming out right now are pitching to you 5G because they know you're hearing you're hearing it on YouTube from your favorite content creators. You're 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 reading about it on your favorite um, tech publications, wherever you read your sources from. You're hearing it on other audio podcasts out there talking about the advancements of 5G and how it's going to benefit everybody. So you hear that, and you hear a company saying. Buy our, our latest flagship device. It's 5G capable. But you're going to have a hell of a time. Me personally, if you were to ask me, you know, yo, Tito, when should I get a 5G capable device? I would say unto thee about three years from now. And about three years from now when Verizon, AT&T, and the new T-Mobile have gotten over 58% of the country covered with their 5G build out. Because then you'll have a better experience of what you would have right now. It is not worth it right now. Today in the market, you know what a lot of consumers really actually want before they're brainwashed into chasing 5G, the latest and greatest crap that's coming out? Truly and genuinely what they want. And Apple is actually listening. They did it this year. They got the gotten smarter with their latest iPhones that came out, well, not this year, but last year. People want lower prices and, you know, and, and are willing to compromise that. They, you know, like people, like Apple fanatics were really happy when Apple put out the iPhone 11, the 11 Pro, the 11 Pro Max. Well, I'm going to say Max. Max. And yes, people, I know that all they did was to change the name scheme. Because if you look at the year before's uh, lineup, there was the iPhone XR, which was the cheap version. The iPhone XS and then the iPhone XS Max with the 11, the 11 Pro, the 11 Pro Max. All they did was they didn't name the cheaper model to identify as the cheaper model. They named it after its flagship. So they just called it the iPhone 11. And then the more premium built ones, they called them the Pro and Pro Max. That um, That worked. That worked, because if you wanted the more upscale, expensive, triple-lens camera versions, you could get the Pro or the Pro Max. But maybe you, want, maybe you don't care about those things, right? You just want the latest iPhone. Well, $749 for the iPhone 11, a lot cheaper than what people were expecting the iPhone 11 to be. They were expecting it to be $999, Like the XS and the XS Max went for on release. A good, good marketing pitch by Apple. They heard the consumers out there and they listened to them. They listened to them and they said, yeah, we're making the iPhone 11 more budget friendly. It is still the flagship because it is the iPhone 11. It is the flagship. But we made it cheaper for you. No, 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 Apple. We we techies, we geeks, we know the truth. Your iPhone eleven is a successor to the iPhone 10R, which you marketed as the budget iPhone of twenty eighteen. We know this. But people that know this also really don't care. Because the iPhone eleven goes for seven hundred and forty nine dollars. And that's what consumers really want. Strip away chasing 5G. Strip away all that crap. People did not go for the Pixel 4. Why didn't they go for it? Because of price. Because of price. Consumers aren't chasing the most expensive phones anymore. Look what's happened with smartphones over the last seven years they would buy the most expensive flagship they would walk around with a destroyed screen because they dropped it and it cracked this gave birth to making all kinds of cases cases with 1 inch lips to protect the display came out um businesses came out with their Oh, yeah, we have glass screen protectors, 9H hardness that can withstand impact and absorb the shock of the impact while protecting your screen. So the the screen protector will shatter and spider crack. But guaranteed when you peeled it off, your actual screen is going to be flawless. So then people started thinking to themselves, like, why am I just going to go and spend another thousand dollars on an upgrade to a phone that I'm going to end up dropping Besides, I don't even want to spend that kind of money anymore. Times is hard. So they don't want to spend that money anymore. Right? They're looking for a company that's willing to give them as much as possible with their smartphone flagship. But not charge an arm and a leg. You don't have to feel like that you got to go run and donate one of your kidneys or cut off one of your testicles to buy this phone. (laughs) People want to be able to say, yeah, I can afford 600 bucks. And feel like that they got a really, really kick-ass phone. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. So why chase a 5G device? Why spend $1,000 for something that you, you, you're hearing from people who are being open and honest and transparent with you that are saying 5G is not prime time yet. Just wait. Wait two more or three more years before you invest in a 5G cable device, and then in, to think about it in another term, say you did buy a 5G device, say you bought the Galaxy S20 Ultra, or the Note 10 5G Plus, or the OnePlus 7T Pro McLaren edition. Say you bought those phones. In three years times from now, they're gonna be obsolete compared to the technology that has been advanced in 5G three years from now. So a 5G phone sold three years later is going to be like 10 times faster than a 5G phone sold in 2020. There's some food for thought for you guys. Anyways, that's pretty much all the time that I have for this episode. For those who took the time to click the link and listen, I appreciate it so much. If you're following me on different podcast publications, thank you so much. And if you didn't know, uh, my episodes are sprouted across all different podcast sources such as Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all those works, you'll find me there. Just look up Aloha Android and you will find my audio podcast show. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Um, Yes, you can. If you use Anchor, you can send me a voice response back. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Definitely can do that. And the best two will be featured in the next podcast. I will save the recording. I will add it to the next episode as a shout out. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen. You guys are clutch. You heard it here on Aloha Android. Again, my name is Tito. You guys have a blessed, wonderful, happy hump day. Aloha.